I guess your surplus that you have would not only determine what sort of level of investing that you can do, but whether you can, how much debt you can repay. The more money we put in to reduce in the home loan, the less we have to invest. Quite often people think, let's go and buy this property and hold on to it for 30 years and never sell, which in the absence of any other consideration makes sense. But sometimes it is worthwhile selling if it helps us achieve our lifestyle goals as well. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management, sales and buyers agency servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. Hey, Stuart. Welcome back to the show. Very excited to be posing one of the questions I get asked all the time today. Should we focus on repaying our home or do investing? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really common question, Jared, and great to be back with you, of course. And, you know, it's a, a question I've been asked many times over the last 20 plus years. And I guess there's a couple of elements to it too. There's, a, you know, the, the financial merits of the answer to that particular question, but also there's a an emotional element to the question as well, you know, particularly when we're talking about our family home as a particular asset that, that often is purchased, I mean, for lots of different reasons, but financial security is one of them. And then owning your home without a mortgage eventually one day adds to that financial security. So there's, you know, and I think that's why a lot of people sort of challenged by the question because they, they, even in the back of their mind, they might know what the right financial answer is. But, you know, when you overlay the emotional context, it, it can be, it can be challenging. And that's true really with any financial decisions, you know, that the emotional element in the financial decision process isn't necessarily helpful. <laughs> you know, we've got to try and keep that in check. What we will ultimately want to do is make smart, logical financial decisions and then deal with the, the emotional consequences of those separately. And it's not until you start having a family that this emotional pull to to have your home, you know, really starts tugging at you. I remember back in the day, I'm not sure how you started out, but I rent vested for a while and we had three, four investment properties before we went and bought our family home. But as soon as we had, I think it was as soon as we started getting pregnant, that desire to put down some roots and have some stability and not to have to move and started to look at what school zones are we going to get into and, you know, how can we purchase something that is going to be big enough in size? And so all those considerations start coming through then. Yeah, eventually, in my in my experience, eventually everyone wants to own a home. So even those clients have told me, no, Stuart, we're entirely comfortable renting for the foreseeable future. I know at some point, because it's always happened, they'll come to me and say, oh, no, hang on, we're ready to buy. Uh, whether they have kids or not, uh, it's true. Like, uh, eventually, people want to own the home that they live in. Not everyone, but most people. And I like to try and counsel clients to not only think of a home as a lifestyle decision, but it can be one of our best investments as well in terms of buying something that's going to have good capital growth prospects and uh, that that aren't that isn't taxed. You know, where we obviously don't pay any capital gains tax on our main residence. So, you know, from an after tax perspective, it can be our best investment. And if we kind of approach it like that, if we try to tick both boxes, as in buy a good quality investment property and also buy a home that we like to live in and that, that can be the one asset, um, you, you can end up ticking both those boxes and it works out really well. And I rewind to my thinking of three or four years ago when I was 
posing a similar question to you as to, you know, do I really go that extra step and get a family home that we really want? We put the investment hat on at the same time as the personal hat. And what often does make a good investment is desirable on the personal side as well. You know, it has good schools. It's in a good street. It's in a location that's going to do a lot of that heavy lifting. And I'm really glad that we did go that way because it's ended up being one of our best investments uh, since then. So, Yeah, that's right. If your budget allows, certainly extending the budget and sort of pushing the envelope or testing your comfort levels in terms of, you know, the, the size of the home loan that you're prepared to take on, even though, and, and I'm going to contradict probably everything I always talk about, which is, you know, have a longer term plan. Sometimes it's difficult to see beyond, you know, the, a, a particular loan amount. So for example, if I go out and upgrade my home and it results in me borrowing a million dollars, a million dollars of non-tax deductible debt, you know, I might sit back today and go, wow, how, how am I ever going to repay that sort of, that level of debt? And it might not be obvious to me, but what we know is that if we buy well, that million dollars of debt in 20 years time will actually, even if I don't repay one cent and all, all I do is just service that debt, the debt will look immaterial compared to the property value. And that's kind of step one. I don't, I'm not sort of suggesting people should just go in and without any kind of plan on how they're going to deal with their home loan or repay it eventually or so forth. But sometimes we do overthink it too. And we know that if we buy a really great quality asset, debt reduction isn't the the key thing here. The key thing here is the performance of the asset. And even if in 30 years time, I still have a million dollar loan against that property, but that property's worth $10 million, you know, in terms of funding retirement, you know, I've got lots of different options and selling the asset and taking that cash out is one of those options, but the option might not be there if I hadn't have upgraded. So in a way, you want to be very sensible about debt. You want to think about it and Obviously, what we'll talk about today in terms of having a strategy repay it and understanding the priority or in the importance of of repaying it, but also taking a longer term view about what that debt helps you do. And that debt really does help you magnify your asset base. And if you buy well on an after-tax basis, a home can be a great investment. So let's presume that we've got a home that we're happy with and the question is, do I repay off more of this loan or do I start looking at investing? And I think there's a lot of carryover from the previous generation where their whole goal in life was to pay off that family home. It was a single focused thing where investing it wasn't even really thought of. It wasn't almost popularized. And to a certain extent, I think that's carried over to the next generation of that's the one thing a lot of our parents taught us about what to do with our money. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And I, look, maybe we're not there yet, but I, I imagine as property prices appreciate and it becomes more and more difficult to buy the either home that we really desire to live in longer term, I think Australians will have to get used to having a, a mortgage for a longer period of time and also used to the potentially the situation where they might go and own a property in a particular school zone or a particular locality that sort of serves their needs as a young and growing family with the idea that they will downgrade at some point in the future as a debt repayment strategy. Because it, with property prices, property prices, if they continue to grow, it just does become more and more challenging to actually repay the, 
the loan. And in fact, as we'll talk about, there's a bit of an opportunity cost associated with that. So I think that's probably a natural, just like in other parts of the world, like Europe, renting is more popular than owning. Uh, I think in Australia, the, the psychology around owning your own home probably won't change very much. But really just occupying that property for the next 20 years and sort of servicing the mortgage while you do that, I think will be a, a more common strategy. But, you know, when, when thinking about what is the priority, because I mean, a lot of people, particularly as they go and upgrade, they're, you know, sitting back and thinking, well, what do I do with my money? What's the best use of my money? You really do have to con- compare the interest rate that you pay on your home loan with the after-tax return on investing. So, of course, we, we don't uh, we, we can't deduct the interest on our home loan. We can't negatively gear, gear a property. So that is the after-tax cost, the interest rate we pay. And that might be today 55 or 6%. And then if you look at the longer-term returns, either in the share market or the property market, and you allow for some tax that you need to pay, obviously on capital gains tax or uh, tax on income, you might end up with an after-tax return of maybe about 7%. If you look at these longer-term, very long-term kind of averages, you you, know, you can't make these decisions based on what the returns will be in 2024. You need to really think longer-term. So it's obvious, particularly as we're, you know, we're kind of at the peak of the interest rate cycle at the moment, it's pretty obvious that compounding over time, you're probably more likely to generate more wealth by investing than repaying your home your home loan because obviously 7% is greater than, you know, a home loan interest rate is probably not going to get to 7%. And both those, uh, both the, the home saving in terms of extra repayments and the investment, both those things compound. So they sort of net each other off. But so the, so from a financial perspective, most people better off investing than repaying their home loan. But of course, then you've got to think about, you know, some other financial considerations to inform you about what is best in your circumstance. And the first thing that I would be thinking about is your sensitivity to interest rate increases. So, for example, if someone has a million and a half of home loan debt and their income is only $100,000, firstly, I don't know how they manage to borrow so much. <laughs> and I, I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone in that position to borrow that much. Well, things can change when, you know, a partner goes on maternity leave um, or things change in the household income what was previously affordable, you know, that sensitivity can can increase, can't it? Yeah, and maternity leave's a, a perfect example of that. So but in that situation, you know, they're gonna be very sensitive to interest rate changes. And so debt reduction would be a priority for that person in that situation. Whereas if um if you flip it around and you had someone that had a million dollars of income and only a couple hundred thousand dollars of home loan debt, well they're not very sensitive to interest rates at all. Uh, in terms of the affordability of both not only service alone but but repay it as well. So I mean they're two very extreme examples, but that's kind of the the first thing that you want to think about is how sensitive, how big is my home loan in comparison to my income? Because that'll help you help inform you whether you can do both, as in invest and repay your loan, or whether just repaying your loan is going to really absorb most of your cash flow. The second consideration is really about building up buffers. And making sure that you've got enough of a financial buffer to weather any uh, either expected and particularly unexpected changes in financial circumstances. So, you know, you might have uh, someone with, say, $700,000 of home loan debt and a pretty healthy family income, maybe 200000 So you're sort of looking at that and saying, well, you know, they could probably 
afford to repay that loan relatively quickly over the next 10 to 15 years, as well as then contribute some money towards investing. But if they had nothing in the bank in terms of no cash savings, that would concern me because if they had an unexpected change in employment or, you know, they had some medical expenses or, you know, any of these sort of things that kind of come out of left field, but um, uh, might only have a small pro- probability of occurring, but there's thousands of those small little things that, that can occur that have a, a low probability, you still want to build up uh, substantial buffers, particularly if you want to start investing as well. So um, in that situation, I would typically advise clients to accumulate somewhere between six months and two years worth of living expenses and savings. And that's a wide range. So the thing that I'd be thinking about is how risky is their income? So if they work, if they had a really safe job working for the public sector, a public sector, for example, the chance of unemployment was kind of zero and you know, they didn't have a lot of children and their expenses were relatively low, well, maybe six to 12 months of living expenses is fine. If, conversely, if they work for the private sector and a lot of their income is at risk, so bonuses and all those sorts of things, um, and those things can change from year to year, well, maybe you want sort of two years of living expenses and buffer as well. Uh, and the final consideration is your your asset base. You know, if you've got to uh, a family home and a home loan, but no other assets other than a little bit of super, you know, in, in that situation, investing in more growth assets is a priority. You know, it's something you really want to start doing as soon as you possibly can. But conversely, if you've already got a, a, a very sound asset base with lots of investments, a, a lot of super, some investment property shares, etc. So you've already done kind of all the hard work in terms of getting those assets in place. Well, then maybe debt reduction is an okay is an okay priority to continue to pursue. So there's sort of three considerations, I guess, Jared, in terms of working out, you know, what's best for a, a in a particular situation. I guess your surplus that you have would not only determine what sort of level of investing that you can do, but whether you can how much debt you can repay and whether, you know, you're gonna be able to repay enough of that before you transition into that next phase. So maybe speak to us a bit about how we start to put a strategy together on on this debt repayment versus buying more assets. And yep. look, the 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 best outcome hopefully is that you can do both. So that is that you can allocate a portion of your surplus investable cash flow towards debt reduction, and the remaining portion towards accumulating investment assets. And that if you can do that to the extent where you're able to eliminate non-tax deductible debt before you're planning to retire or stop working, then that's kind of the perfect scenario. Because then we can say, okay, well, let's prioritize some debt reduction, but let's not be too aggressive at it because if there's an opportunity cost associated with it, the more money we put into reducing the home loan, the less we have to invest. But if we can find a balance... And so, for example, if, if we're working on a client and they're 40 years old and they want to retire at 60, for example, and we work out that if we put 30% of their surplus cash, cash flow towards debt reduction, that, they, that allows them to repay their home loan in 15 years, so five years before they're ready to retire. And then we can put the remaining 70% of their surplus cash flow towards investing, whether it's um, looking after investment property, shares, super contributions, whatever it might be. That's kind of the perfect scenario because you've planned to repay your home loan 
well before you're willing to retire and you've got a bit of a buffer there. So if things don't work out, well, maybe it takes 17 or 18 years, but either way, you're still repaying it before 60. But at the same time, you're prioritizing building other growth assets, which we know logically the the chances are that the returns after tax are likely to be greater than the home loan interest rate, you know, over the very long period of time. Now, if that's not possible, you know, if you sit down and work out, well, the only way we're going to get rid of the home loan debt is if we contribute 100% of our surplus cash flow over the next 20 years. In that situation, you might want to consider, in fact, it might be best to consider an alternative strategy. So that is, what else can we do as a home loan repayment strategy other than contributing our cash flow towards our home loan? And there's lots of different things people can consider in that situation. So it might be, let's go and buy an investment property, hold it for the next 20 years, sell it just after retirement so we minimize the capital gains tax and use the proceeds to repay our home loan. So in that situation, we might say, well, we're not actually that interested in repaying any of that debt over the next 20 years because we know we're going to invest in this property and this property is going to do all that that work. Or maybe the strategy could include a downsizing strategy. So you know, we might sell the family home and just reduce the the, the size of accommodation as, as a result, the, the value of that particular asset. And so, you know, if we've got a home that's worth $2 million with $1 million of loan, we might be able to get to a situation where we're just using that equity to fund our home. And so we use that to sort of repay the home loan. I guess the point is that you really do need to sit down and work out what that does look like. And I would like to typically have a multi-pronged strategy towards debt reduction. Unless cash flow was so compelling that there was very low risk that, you know, that we wouldn't be able to repay it. Normally I'd want to have a couple, I would have a plan B and a plan C, which could be, you know, sell some assets, could be downgrade, could be some of those sorts of things. But repaying the home loan doesn't necessarily have to be a priority, a financial priority. And there's there's lots of other strategies that you can utilize to try and deal with that particular um, challenge. And I guess at least if you have other assets that are growing, you have choices as to what you do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the whole point of investing, isn't it? Is is to give us the security, give us choice, and and also ultimately fund retirement. So sometimes we look at you know divesting of assets as a as a bad thing to do. You know, the the best thing if you buy, particularly with property, because of most of the return is in capital growth, so you want to benefit from that compounding capital growth. So quite often people think, oh, well, let's go and buy this property, hold on to it for 30 years and never sell, which in the absence of any other consideration makes sense. That's the best thing to do. But sometimes it, it is worthwhile selling. Sometimes, if it, particularly if it helps us achieve our, finance, our lifestyle goals as well. So for example, if a client had a particular goal to buy a, a particular value home, like a, a very high value home, and they had a lot of equity in investment assets, it might be worthwhile for them to sell one or two of those investment assets. Sure, you have to pay for the capital gains tax at that point in time, but what it does, what it might do, is allow them to, you know, buy that better quality home as a result. And also borrow less, so reduce their borrowings, which obviously reduces their risk and and the cash flow impact of that decision. And the way I look at it is to say, okay, we're going to take equity out of a particular asset, investment asset, which we're happy with and is doing well. But if we're taking that equity and we're reallocating it into an asset that's just as good or if not better quality, 
with tax with with better tax attributes because there's no capital gains tax, of course. Well, it's not actually ne- necessarily a bad thing to do in the, in the long run. But also, if you overlay on top of that, that it helps them achieve their lifestyle goals. So you know they really wanted this home in this particular street or this particular suburb, and and it was very important to them. Well, then you get to tick that box as well. So um, buy and never sell is a good mantra to have, but in some situations, selling can uh, make sense. But again, Jared, as you said, it's about having diversity of assets. So you wouldn't necessarily sell everything and put it into the family home. But if you had a couple of assets that you, you know, selling maybe one of those to facilitate that upgrade doesn't, um, might, might make a lot of sense. Awesome. Well, thanks for going through all of those considerations and at least helping me understand and hopefully our listeners. <laughs> I'm, so, well, I, I'm always uh, thinking of my own situation when I'm asking these too. So I got some clarity there and I appreciate your input as always, Stuart. Yeah, my pleasure. And it's a, it's um, I think that's what makes the good a good advisory process because we, we tend to think about our own challenges and problems just as deep, but sometimes deeper than you know when dealing with clients and so forth. So that's why it's good to to seek advice because if the advisor and their team and so forth have been through those challenges themselves, then they've, they've it's likely they've sat with the problem for a lot longer than you have, and you get to benefit from their their hindsight, their wisdom as well. So. For sure. And I'll put your details in the show notes, but I think probably a good first place for people if they are looking for an advisor is to listen to your Investopoly podcast and potentially read your book in called Investopoly as well. That would be the good best place you'd say. Yeah, I think so. It gives them a, a flavor for, you know, what what we sort of think about and our approach and methodology and so forth. And and if that resonates, then that's great. And if it doesn't, well, that that's fine too. But uh, yeah, it's often a good starting point. Awesome. I'll put those in the show notes. Thanks again, Stuart. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. See you, mate. Bye. Just a reminder, the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group. Thank you.